Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and today we're reviewing Aeon Trespass. What's up, Mike? Hey, Peter. How you doing? How'd you like playing that gigantic game? <laughs> uh, it is big. How many pounds did you say it was? Oh, gosh. I think it was like 30 or 40. It was, it was up there. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, it is heavier than... I don't know that it's much bigger than Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven's kind of taller. It's wider, I feel like. Then oh, it's, wait, like original Gloomhaven? It's definitely bigger than that, man. It's the same size as KDM, and that's certainly bigger than Gloomhaven. Yeah, yeah. Remember, now, then Frosthaven, volume-wise, I don't know. I know Frosthaven's quite a bit taller. I remember back in the day, we used to think those coffin boxes, remember they were called coffin boxes because they were so big, from Fantasy Flight games? Like, all their big games, like oh, yeah, Rune yeah. Wars and Starcraft, and these new games are like, hold my beer. <laughs> coffin <laughs> box. Well, and then you have uh, the Osworn All-In, which was like three almost gloomhaven size boxes uh, it was four by the way oh four oh yeah sorry so, so by the way everyone uh y- you know this this is the the secret trolling i'm doing of peter i, I get these giant games I-, I force him to play them multiple times at his house by himself with his family just so we can do a review of them and then i just leave the boxes at his house so he's uh, you know eventually i hope to fill his entire basement that'll be like my ultimate revenge for some you know slight peter did me in the past yeah, it, it's not just you. It's Jerry also. By the way, he, he left his Gloomhaven here. But because it, Gloomhaven was a campaign game, I wanted my own version. So I have two copies of Gloomhaven in my house, in addition to everything else that we've got. For, for a while, I had one too until I called it. <laughs> yes, we had three copies of Gloomhaven. That was probably the only game we've done that with. Well, it's the whole promise of legacy, right? Everybody's got to have their own because, you know, some parts are destructible or stickerable or whatever else. And you can't ever figure out how to you know, undo it, but people figured it out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, So we got a little bit of chat. So for those of you who don't know, this is not just a podcast. We are also live streaming. So we got uh, Steve Kingsley, the king of co-op saying, uh, all right, so I I started a little bit late today because I was making rum cake. So apparently I forgot that you have to make a syrup for rum cake. And it's not like frosting that you just put on the top whenever it's cool or whatever. No, you've got to pour the syrup in while it's still hot. So it like absorbs into the cake. And it's like a slow process while you pour some, let it sink in, pour some more, let it pour some more. So I forgot about all this. And I'm like, oh, I'll just put the cake in the oven. I'll go down and record. And then I'm like, oh, no. I have to be here right when this thing gets out. Well, I guess we're not doing the podcast at 9.30. So uh, I was making rum cake. So Steve says, I hope you brought enough rum cake to share. Uh, yeah, that 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 didn't happen, Steve. Uh, See, the, uh, the secret is that all the times Peter just said cake, he actually meant his mouth. So he was like, <laughs> pour a little rum in there. Wait nice. a minute, pour a little more rum. It made him a little bit late, you know, and maybe the podcast will be more fun for it. Yes, absolutely. And Gutuck says, excited to see the comparison of uh, Anne Trespass Odyssey versus Oswarm. Yeah, that was originally going to be our design discussion. We changed it a little bit. We're changing it to Dungeon Crawlers versus Boss Battlers. I'm sure we'll have a little discussion in there. But we are going to do that discussion. We just felt it was going to take more time than we've had at the end of a podcast. So we're going to do that on uh, a Patreon video. So um, we will have a 
big head-to-head comparison there. We have gated the content you wanted to, to listen to. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit here, but if you want to hear like in-depth discussion. And I, I feel like Mike and I might come out on opposite sides of this, and it might actually be a pretty heated battle. Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have thoughts. But uh, <laughs> hey, before we get any farther, speaking of Patreon... If you want to see exclusive videos like Peter and I battling each other over oath sworns and Aeon trespasses, uh, and if you want to get early access to our videos and other cool things, or if you just want to help out the channel, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. And uh, we like to thank uh, every time we do the Peter and Mike podcast, we like to thank some of our amazing patrons. So this week we're thanking Alex Haugen, Matt Levi, David Cuckerman, Scott Vachelek, and Jay Rutledge. So Alex, Matt, David, Scott, Jay, all our supporters, and anyone who just subscribes to the uh, streaming channels, subscribes to the podcast, subscribes to the main channel, or uh, leaves a review for the podcast. That always helps. We appreciate all of you for what you do and for joining this little, uh, join us on this co-op journey we're on. Yep. A couple more people I'll shout out in the chat. We got Cade Burt says, hello all. And Dom2D says, hello, just watch Man vs. Meeple talk about the big box game problem. This is right in line with that. Well, Mike has a solution. Drop them all Leave off Leave them in Peter's house. house. Yeah, <laughs> f- find a friend. It's, it's, like, it's like a storage uh, shed. You don't have to pay for it. It's, uh, it's lovely. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Picklesimmer's out there, too. He's one of our regulars. All right, so Mike, you've been playing anything lately? Yeah. I mean, it's competitive, but I've been playing Small World randomly. Oh, wow. Because uh, I... I've been playing two player with my my oldest, my ten year old, and he really enjoys it. And then you know I done a video on the main channel, and Steve had done one on the streaming channel, I think as well, um, of the official like solo mode for Small World, which kind uh, of has like the basic people fighting back against you. It works pretty well, but uh, they they also let you they have a way to play it in two player to kind of fill out the board a bit more. So we played that, and we both lost to the uh, AI. <laughs> oh wow! So, uh, so we 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 uh, we have to weaken them a little bit more. But now I've ordered like eighty dollars worth of Small World expansions, and one's coming tomorrow. So, you, you you know all about this, Peter. Spending too much money on games you think your kids will play, and then realizing they're not going to play at all. Yeah. So hopefully that's not the path this takes. That definitely tends to happen with me. So speaking of yeah. competitive head-to-head games like that, I played War Chest recently with Jerry. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Now, I don't think there's a solo mode, but this is the kind of game that you're going to love, Mike. And I feel like you could make a solo bot for it that would make it work pretty well because it's a head to head. I mean, there is precedent. That's uh, David Thompson, my friend, and uh, Trevor Benjamin, I think. And they both designed Undaunted, and I made uh, a popular solo bot for Undaunted Normandy, so War Chest, I can try it out. I don't know. Although, you know, I bet, that's a really popular game. I bet if I go on BG, there's probably already several solo modes. Maybe one of those is good. Yeah, and then the other one I played the other day, again, was It's a Wonderful World, which I hated when we originally played it. Might have been a little intoxication. I might have had a little too much rum cake that night. I, I mean, I mean, played <laughs> it. You know, I'm not sure you played the game that time. You sort of sat there and 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 lost horribly while Jerry and I actually competed against each other. So yeah, I think now you've played the game. How'd you like it? <laughs> I did like it. I liked it quite a bit. It reminds me. It, it's so funny that I had such a hard time grokking it because it's actually a fairly straightforward game. I feel like yeah. it's it's not quite as simple as something like. Um, the one with the chips. Uh, Too many bones. No, no. The chips. Splendor. <laughs> yes. Uh, those chips. Those yes. Chips. It, it's quite It's quite simple. Like, too many bones and hoplomachus. <laughs> nice, Mike. Uh, so, it, it's not quite as simple as Splendor, but it's very much an engine building game like that, where you're getting 
cubes to upgrade stuff to get you more cubes to upgrade more stuff to eventually earn you victory points. So, yeah, no, I, I like that one quite a bit. And that one does have a solo mode in it, right? Yes, yes. And from what I remember, it works pretty well. I think, uh, like, from the Kickstarter, maybe you can buy it separately. They even had, like, a little solo campaign. Oh, nice. And then there's a new version. It's a Wonderful Kingdom, which is only two-player, maybe also solo. I haven't tried that one. Oh, nice. Yeah, so worth looking back at. I got one more solo game, but did you have anything else you wanted to... Yeah, I'll throw out a couple other ones. My wife and I have started a campaign of uh, Artisans of Splendid Vale or The Splendid Vale, which is a uh, cooperative legacy narrative like dungeon crawler tactical battle game. Wow, Um, that's a lot of words. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And and, and, oh, another campaign game. We have so few. But (laughs) so so, so far, I'm not sure about my thoughts. I'll be doing a review after we play some more. Uh, The battles, I'm hoping, get more tactically interesting. And they kind of overstay their welcome. That's a larger part of the game than you would have thought from like how much they push kind of the story. But like the story and the exploration and the character leveling elements are all great. So and my wife's loving loving it. So whether or not I, I end up liking the battles more, I'll probably still keep playing it. But it, it's a bit up in the air right now. And then um <laughs> you know I don't love rolling rights, Peter, but WizKids sent me a bunch. They sent me uh all three of the super skill pinball sets after the first one. Well, you like that one a lot. Well, I did, yes. So that, that's one of the few rolling ruts I really enjoy. So I've been playing. I, I, I was trying to figure out what kind of video to do because I want to do like three separate playthroughs of like pinball. So I'm actually right. going to do like a ranking video of every table for each of the three sets. Oh, nice. and like ranking the sets themselves. So I finished playing through the whole Star Trek set. Uh, I'm in the middle of playing through the Christmas set, which is like Christmas movies, uh, Elf, National Lampoons. And, I'm going to have to uh, borrow that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I figured. And then the last one is Ramp It Up, which it doesn't have any IP attached to it, but it's just like the next one. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, another, like, plays very differently f- from the Super Skill Pinball, but it's another one I'm enjoying, at least so far, although I've only played it twice, is uh, called uh, Bargain Basement Bathosphere. What? I had, uh, yeah, Bargain Basement Bathosphere. It's, it's B words. I don't know. That, uh, that sounds like a WizKids game, by the way. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing they, more they, they WizKids sent- than that. Yeah, they sent me a review copy a while back, um, and I hadn't opened it. But then Liz Davidson, friend of the show, Beyond Solitaire, uh, did a review uh, this week. And uh, watching her video got me excited to play it. So, so far, I'm liking it. So that'll be another one coming soon. But that's it. What was your last one, Peter? Uh, my last one was Imperium Classics. I started playing yes. that solo again. I just borrowed it from you. And gosh, it, it's one of those games that I was so intimidated by it the first couple times I played it. But it just comes together so well, and it was so easy to pick it back up and start playing it again. Uh, I, I mean, the rules aren't that long. They actually are almost too short, I feel yes. like. <laughs> but but if you've played it before, like, I, I don't have any questions. Now, I'm sure it'll come up with each individual faction or whatever, but it came back really quickly, and I played three games of it already just over the last uh, less than a week, which... Considering I've also played, you know, five or six games of Aeon Trespass, that's a lot of uh, <laughs> of uh, getting one game in. Um, yeah, that's you're, for sure. you're you're burning the midnight oil there, buddy. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like uh, WizKids is taking over for uh, Stronghold. Like Zeb's taking over for his buddy Bonacore uh, with the rolling rights. Like, remember Bonacore had all those rolling rights at one point? Yeah, through Stronghold. Well, except, except so far, all of these I like, and most other roll. Not 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 about Bonacore. I don't know if I've played any. Oh wait, that's right. Well, we they, they brought those over from like Europe. We played a couple of them, right? Like yeah, Drizzle, Dizzled, I or think, or Drizzled, Dizzled or yeah. P- Pizzle. 
I did yeah. love that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were all fine, but they were they were fine. So we have a couple comments. We have Kitsumi Kamji says Frost has been coming. Apparently it's thirty nine pounds. Nice. Ryan says I'm getting closer on his name. So all right, Pickle Simmer. <laughs> one of these days I'll get it. Uh, with a long L, Pickles Simmer. Pickles. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. It's probably an I, which would mean Pickle Simer. Oh, got it. Like a long I. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> Dr. Han says National Lampoon's Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a whole holiday yes. pack. My holiday wife's- pack of famous Christmas movies. I haven't played the National Lampoon table yet, so I don't know how well they actually like uh, bring the IP to life. I'm guessing minorly, <laughs> you know, with it being uh, I mean, how, game. how good have they done with the other ones? Probably the most thematic one for Star Trek was the uh, the Borg uh, Next Generation table, because like you spend the first two rounds building up your fleet, and then you go and like fight the Borg with your fleet. That oh, was pretty okay. cool, actually. Uh, but, but that's, oh, that's the only awesome. one that I've really, I, I would really say was like a semi uh, thematic experience in a like major way. <laughs> cool. The other ones will be like here's a here's a triple board with triples on it. Well, actually, the triple board is kind of thematic. And then they, they do have the Kobayashi Maru, the like unbeatable uh, training exam. Yeah, on, and I, heard, uh, I thought the, you had to cheat to make that one work, right? Well, that, that, that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. So they've got a board, and to get the highest point, you have to get a seven exactly, and you can't like you know use modifiers to make it a seven. And they say that. They're like, you have to roll a seven exactly to get this. <laughs> but right. then there's a space that lets you cheat and get the next two spaces of the Kobayashi Maru. So that's the only way to get the points, by like cheating the computer, kind of like... Uh, like Kirk did in the more recent movies. So yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right, well, let's get into the feature today, which is Aeon Trespass Odyssey. So the theme is Avatar mixed with... <laughs> oh, oh, Avatar, going into the, like, the Titans, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you basically go into this vat of water and you, like, sync up with this Titan and you control this Titan to fight these bosses. And that's kind of how they get away with death in this game. So you have these Titans that you're controlling, these giants, but... As they die, you just take control of a different Titan. They do incorporate them in the story pretty well as well, so you do learn a little bit about that relationship. You kind of wake up on this ship not knowing a whole lot, and you explore the story. So we're going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. And so I think that's all I want to say about that, unless there's any other points you want to bring up. Well, I mean, I just think it's important to say that it's it's a like post-apocalyptic Greek mythology setting. Yes. So it's like you're in Greek mythology. They reference a lot of the famous myths, a lot of the famous like gods and goddesses and such. But it's like the world has fallen and all the gods are dead. So that's kind of that's the jumping off point. You, you you find out a lot about the mystery of how that happened and like such as you go through the game. But yeah, like you come in like with this sort of fallen version of Greek mythology. So it's a very unique IP. Like even if you don't love the game, I think it's a a very cool setting that no one's ever done anything quite like it before. I guess like the closest might be like Lords of Hellas with kind of like this mix of like technology and Greek mythology, but it's really neat. Now, Dom2D just deleted his comment, but I thought it was actually an awesome comment. He said uh, Pacific Rome, which is, uh, (laughs) so it's like Pacific Rim in, it's not Rome, it's Greek, but it's all right. It works. I I think that's quite clever. I mean, Peter, you yourself are Greek. I mean, how do you feel being compared to uh, Italians? Isn't that a... Oh, there, I, I like Dom's new version. Pacific Rim with weird Greek mythology, high technology. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue quite as well. Right. But, no, know, no, no, no. Not, not, not quite accurate. Pacific Rim. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Han says, you have to fail forward. You have to keep going until you beat that boss. So we can get into that. There is failing forward. 
Um, yeah, it, it's mostly fail forward. There, there's, yes. there is like a hard failure if you fail forward too many times. <laughs> but, right. But yes. You, and you, you have coins you to replay something if you just get horrible, awful luck on turn one, which has happened and can happen. Yep. <laughs> where you just get to like reset from the beginning. Just kidding. That didn't, it's like a Groundhog Day reset. They give you one of those to start and then we earned another one somehow down the line. Um, yeah, they give you one pretty early, a second one. Yeah. So there's that too. If you just get horrible luck, you know, you can go, okay, well, let's scoop that and restart it. Yeah. So there is some of that, but we can get into that in our final thoughts. But uh, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about the mechanics before we get going? Oh my gosh, there's so much to cover. Uh, I'll try to do like the, the broadest Really strokes. broadest strokes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so huge campaign. In fact, there are three campaigns in the base game with two more coming um, for, I guess, purchase or all-in backers, uh, but they aren't done yet. And you, you, you're kind of split between moving around on a sort of like Seventh Continent-esque explorable board where you're flipping square cards and like finding out where you're going. And uh, while you're there, you're, like, managing your ship and doing tech tree upgrades and, like, uh, crafting things. And then uh, every it's, six it's rounds giant, or so. It's a giant boat that you're on, right? You're sailing yeah, 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 around yeah. You're the on ocean. the You're on the Argo, but it's not, like, the mythological Argo. It's, like, some giant technological Argo. Yeah, and, and every six rounds, if not earlier, uh, you will have a boss fight with a primordial. It's uh, borrowed heavily from KDM, lots of similar mechanics. And basically, that's a big grid map. You have AI cards for the boss. You uh, get individual turns where you basically move and attack. Your turns are pretty quick and simple. You always have four heroes to split among the players. And you're trying to uh, pick off enough parts of the boss, basically, like you're hitting these body parts off of them. You're trying to do that before they can defeat all of your people. So you go back and forth between the campaign management ship side and exploration and the uh, big boss battles. Yep. There's a ton more, but that's that's enough. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, I mean, we'll get into the details as we get into our top five points. So if you're if this is your first time joining us, what we do here, we talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important, but still important, or we wouldn't be talking about it, and going to number one, which is the most important. And I actually had a sixth thing, but we'll talk about that in my final thoughts. Um, okay. I, I realized I had forgotten something very important, so I had to bump one of my points off. But my number five, I'll go ahead and start this week, is... It is a campaign. Just know that. Uh, there, You certainly can do it as one-off boss fights, but there's no real way to, like, level your characters up to fight a level two boss or whatever. You really, you know, it really is a campaign. You're going to be committed. And not only is there the board part of it, but there is a very big story component to it as well. People could jump in and do one-off battles, and I think they'd have fun doing that, just joining you, but they wouldn't know anything about the story. And honestly, while you're in the fighting part of it, I don't know that you care much about the story. Um, they're, they're definitely very separate things. The boss battle feels like a boss battle, and the, the exploring part, story part, feels like an exploring story. It's almost like old school. Did you ever play Wing Commander? Yeah, dude. Yeah, so old school Wing Commander was like the first thing that had like movies actually in gameplay, and you'd have this whole. I'm sure, what you just said is not true. <laughs> oh, I actually well, the I'm 100% first hundred percent sure that Wing Commander was not the first thing to have full motion video. But anyway, continue. <laughs> I thought it was because they had Mark Hamill in the like the later ones. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't great. I loved. Uh, yeah, it had uh, Mark Hamill and uh, oh, what's his name? Biff Tom Wilson. The yeah. Great Tom Wilson as Maniac. Yeah, so and, I mean oh, oh, and who who was uh Malcolm McDowell, right? As Admiral 
Akbar is not Akbar, but <laughs> yes, definitely not Akbar. But anyway, Tolwin, Everell Tolwin, maybe. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm getting but, in the weeds here. But by, by the way, we're showing our age here. I'm sure like 90 percent of the people listening to this have never heard of Wing Commander before. <laughs> but go go look it up. But bottom line is, in that game, it was very much space combat is one part of it, and then you go back and you get this cool story. Even. Like Warcraft and Starcraft had some of that as well. So in the video game world, so they do feel. I would say less of those. Those the missions tend to, like the 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 majority of the narrative in Starcraft and Warcraft played out during the missions. Like you would have like Arthas talking to people and sure Dana and all that kind of stuff. Some, but they're especially Starcraft, especially near the end. There were definitely like you know five minute movies between the games. Oh well, yes, or yes, that's true. That's true. Um, whereas it, it feels the same here, but even maybe more disconnected. It feels like the boss fight is just that is just a boss fight. So you could bring people in the middle of the campaign to control a couple characters. I think they'd have fun doing that. But, you know, without really knowing much of what's going on in the story. So I guess it's a campaign, but. I think it's one that's easy to drop people in, at least for the combat parts, if you just want to show them that. I, I think they'd have a hard time catching up with the story, just because there's so much that goes on. Yeah, my number five is also that it's a campaign, which is funny, because I think we'll probably have some disagreements here. This is, like, I, I called this a pro, because I think it's a really well-done campaign. I got very, like, addicted to it. And in terms of value, like, this is a giant game, and we got a review copy, you know, we should say that out. Yes. It's a giant, expensive game, especially, like, it wasn't that expensive on Kickstarter, but it's expensive now. But I think you get your money's worth. I think this is by far the most I've ever seen in a game like this in terms of a campaign. Like, I think it's, you know, usually you don't say this, but I think it's way more than Gloomhaven. You know, Gloomhaven has, like, more scenarios, but this is three huge campaigns, like, with 60-plus hours of gameplay in each of them. And it's certainly way more than KDM, which is the closest kind of comparison. It's a similar price point. It's the same size box. It's a lot of similar mechanics. I I think it's really amazing what they accomplished. And the campaigns, like, throw in, like, new keywords each time, new bosses, new titans you can control, new weapons, new tech trees. Like, just tons. It's, it's not like the campaigns repeat a lot. Like, there's tons of new stuff in there, new uh, objectives, new things. But that, that, that's also a negative. Like Peter said, you got to be kind of in for the long haul. If yep. you want to play through all three campaigns, you got to be in for the really long haul. <laughs> and I have heard people come. I didn't get through cycle one. I stopped about halfway through cycle one. That's kind of what my review is based on and skimmed through other stuff. I want to play more, but I haven't gotten there yet. But based on what I've seen on like uh, posts on BGG and stuff, people are saying like cycle two and cycle three add like a lot more mechanics, a lot more keywords. And it can be kind of a beast to keep track of it all. Cause I sometimes forgot what things did in cycle one by itself. So, you know, that might be a negative, but if you want a giant like lifestyle, like play for months, <laughs> unless you're like really dedicated kind of game, I think it totally fulfills that. And I at least found the campaign very addictive. So that was a positive. For me. Well, Barrett's still playing KDM years and years later, right? And as you said, there are some similarities here. I think less than I originally thought as far as mechanical gameplay goes, but uh, there's certainly a lot of similarities in the fact that you have a town phase, although a very different town phase, and then a board battle. Uh, and w- and th- yeah, I don't want to do too much comparison here to that one, just because I-, I feel like it'd be easy to just talk about those two the whole time. Sure. Um, all right. But my number four is it is very heavy on the story, uh, at least for me. Uh, and actually, there's a perfect... Uh, comment here by Dom2D. He says, the story and the language, so many unusual terms being thrown around. Yeah, there are lots of names in I, I've, assu- what I assume are supposed to be like ancient Greek names and references. And there's like lots of things 
for me, it was a lot of reading. I know Mike said it wasn't that much reading between combats, but you have like six of these day phases between, and there's usually one decent sized story and maybe two or three smaller stories in there. And then sometimes you'll cascade a story and then you'll like get these points like for your personal journeys and like there'll be a second story and a third story you've got to read to. So it's funny because my son played this game with me and he is loving the combat. He's actually loving the exploration board part of it. But he's like, yeah, I don't, there's a lot of story in there. I mean, he, he and I, you can tell what cloth he's cut from. Uh, a little bit of my cloth there, which is just, it, it's a lot. You know, it would have been nice if there was an app or something else to read it to you. There is an app to keep track of your campaign progress. I just wish there was something to maybe make it so that I can. Barrett said this the other day in, in our podcast last week, actually, and this made a lot of sense to me. He says for some of these big narrative campaign games, he'll set up the battle board while he's listening to the campaign part. And that'd be nice, but it's really hard to do while you're reading, right? You're not going to be setting up and reading at the same time. So I did wish they had something like that where you could just kind of turn it on and turn it off. Yeah, and, and uh, Dr. Han asks, is, is there a foreteller or any kind of like narrated app? At least not yet. Yeah, so my number four is also a story. Uh, what? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, but with a very different take. Uh, now, everything Peter said is totally true. And if you are not like someone who likes reading long stories and games, then <laughs> I think it's going to be a negative. I love the story. Like, I am so into it. I think it's really well written. I think it's super intriguing. Um, I, I am somewhat a special case in that I teach mythology, so I'm pretty well versed in Greek mythology. So every reference they make, like they also have a lot of words that are not in Greek mythology, like random made up uh, technology words, but all the like little references to myths and things I am 100% on board with and know what they're talking about and love. I think it's a really cool like mystery to unwind, at least in cycle one. And I've heard there's more kind of stuff like what's yeah. going on with the world, what's going on with your ship, what's going on with your characters, what's going on with like the, the, the different factions. The I, I just find all of it. Yeah, the Titans. Yeah. I think the story is quite varied. Like you have different adventures in different places with different like factions. And again, you get to kind of like explore different things. That is, uh, besides the fact that there's just a ton of narrative and some people might not like it, that is another potential negative. It's sort of linear in that you have forward momentum, like in your objectives and like in the overall scenario you're doing. But you roll on a random table for like which kind of side quests you have adventures with. So it does sometimes feel like you're kind of like bouncing around from vignette to vignette and like yep. you don't connect fully. It didn't bother me because I still, all of it, everything is very well connected to like the labyrinth and like the core things that are going on. So it all feels like different pieces of the same like puzzle and mystery. But, you know, at some point, sometimes I was just like, hey, can I just find out what happens next in my story? <laughs> and the game kind of slow plays that. Yes. So it's not going to be a narrative that everyone's going to like. Uh, but I, I adore it, and I think it's great. Well, and you're right. I think that's part of the hard part about it. Not only is there, like, little random side quests, at least you know when you're on side quests, which, unlike, like, Gloomhaven, I hear Frosthaven fixes that, like, tells you when you're on the main quest and not. But at least... Yeah, they, you, they have, like, a little... I think somebody said they have, like, a little, like, campaign tracker so you can see which things go to which things and such. Yeah, at least you know what you're on. But Dom2D <laughs> has a good question here. He said, the main question I ask myself is, is the story good enough to support a lifestyle game to keep me going? And I actually think it is, which is surprising to hear from myself even. Because it's a mystery, and maybe that's why, because you're learning more about this world, it's not an uninteresting world. I think they do a lot of good things with the story to keep you interested. Enough story, enough mystery in there. You know, something happens on your ship at some point, and like they throw a little kind of clue out there that something else is going on. And so, I don't know. I, I, 
I think they do a good enough job, even though it was too much for me. And, and I'll get to that on, on a later point. But yeah, I, I think I like all the through lines, but I think the problem is what you said. You're bouncing back and forth between like an R&R quest and like a main storyline and your characters each have their own personal stories that they say you shouldn't even read out loud. You should just read to yourself because it's a personal moment. And if you want to share it with the group, you can, but it's just like, Oh my gosh, these things are like, you know, half a page of reading. So like, what is that risk and sit there and stare at you while you're like (laughs) reading. So I I don't know. It's, it's, It's a lot, but like I said, we'll get to that later. My number three, which by the way, all these were off by one. So like, Campaign was going to be four, story was going to be three, but I, like I said, I remembered something that needs to be way higher up. But my number three is the dice combat. So the way the combat works is, I, I mean, I'll just talk about the general parts of the combat, and there's another part I'm going to get to later. But you're basically moving around on a squares, it's not hexes, a squ- board with a bunch of squares on them, and you're moving, uh, you just count squares orthogonally, not diagonally, up to five squares at a time, or, well, whatever your movement value is, you're just moving, um, you're attacking, range is very simple. They do have terrain on the board, they have terrain cards that'll add terrain that'll be varied from game to game. You know, there's some standard ones, and then they might throw in one or two extra ones as well. So they've got that going on, but the way you attack something is... You are always rolling the dice. Obviously, the the uh, AI isn't rolling it. When they attack you, though, you roll for your dodges. And you're always looking for high numbers. So I like that. It's not like sometimes you're looking for low, sometimes you're looking for high. You're always looking for high numbers. You have one dice that's a what's called the critical dice. It's a You have one white D10, and the rest of them are black. And that one determines whether you basically critical, critically hit or critically miss, which might trigger some keywords, but you roll a number of dice. Well, if the enemy is attacking you, you roll a number of dice it tells you to, to see whether you dodge their attacks. They're like, roll four dice for every one you don't dodge. You take this much damage and maybe you get other conditions or whatever else as well. Maybe they'll knock you back. Maybe they'll throw you around. There is a lot of dynamic parts to the combat, which is why the terrain actually does come into play in this game. The big bad guy will stomp all over you, knocking you down and pushing you back and all that stuff. Uh, The way you attack back is you have an attack roll to hit, and you then roll a different set of dice to roll. You flip over a body part card to see where you hit them. If you do hit with any of the dice, then you roll a separate set of dice based on how many hits you got to determine whether you wound or not. So it sounds like a lot of, it is a lot of dice rolling, but it sounds I was like going to say it is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like a lot to comprehend, but it's really not. You're just rolling D10s to see if you hit. You have a target number. Based on the enemy you're fighting has a different target number. You can, there, there are two main tokens you use as well. One that basically makes it easier for you to hit and one that makes it easier for you to wound. And the interesting part is you don't place those tokens yourself. It's based on what the last attack did. So whatever they did with their attack, you then get to add these tokens. And I, I there's plenty more to talk about with the dice combat system, but uh, bottom line is it is, you know, this could be a pro or con. If you don't like dice, it is a lot of dice rolling in this yeah. combat. Um, I mean, it's all down to D tens, like percentile chance to hit percentile chance to wound. And then when you do get wound, you have this trauma track, which I'm sure you'll get more into, which basically you're going to draw a minor all the way up to basically critical wounds, like depending on how wounded you are, how much damage you take. So yeah, there, there's a lot going on, but it's all 
fairly straightforward. You're basically just roll number dice, hit a number, then you take that many, however many successes you had, take dice for those, and roll to see if you wound them. Um, and every body part has a different wound value, and then it escalates as the game goes along. So that was a lot, and barely even touched, I feel like, on uh, on some of the, the most important stuff about combat. But uh, my number three was the dice part of that, where it's just, it's a lot of dice rolling, and you're going to know whether you like that or not, based on your personal personality. I mean, do you like that, Peter? I feel like you described all the mechanics and didn't say whether you actually enjoy it yourself. <laughs> um... I liked how quick and straightforward it was. I liked how simple it was. I liked how you just look at your one weapon that you're attacking with, and it tells you how many dice you're going to have. And then it's like, for every hit, roll like a red dice or roll two red dice or whatever. And it's easy modifiers, plus one, minus one. Some of these games can over-modifier things, I feel like. Now, yes, there are different places you can get modifiers, like from those tokens and from your weapon, but that's basically it. So there's only really two places to look for to figure out what you're uh, needing to hit. So I felt like it was pretty straightforward. And you know me, I like really straightforward combat systems, and I felt like as much stuff is going on with it, it was pretty straightforward and easy to do. So I, I did like that. That I mean, spoiler alert, the combat, just like almost every other one of these boss battler games, was my favorite part of the game. P4N9 asks if this has more rolls or if 40K does. You ever play 40K, Peter? I played 40K. I did. A lot. 40K, you're rolling like buckets of dice. It's not. Yeah, that. yeah. And, 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 yeah, like, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from because 40K has like the two hits and then like the armor save. And then some people have like another saving throw. This one has so many modifiers that if you want to hit, you can often like make sure you hit. And the like damage rolls are very exciting. You don't do a ton of them. So, no, no, I, I, I would not say it feels at all like Warhammer 40K or one of those like buckets of dice roll 50 dice for a single attack kind of games. It's very straightforward and very quick. Hey, my, my dice combat is not my number three, Peter. We finally diverged. There Although you I'm sure you'll talk about that at some point. <coughs> uh, for my number three, I kind of combined all the journey phase stuff. I'm going to talk about the combat for my number two, my number one. And yeah, I, I, Peter just said he likes the combat better. I'm not sure if I do here. I really enjoyed a ton about the journey phase, but I also really liked ISS Vanguard. And I, I am a sucker for tech trees and crafting and like exploration and finding things. You know, I love, uh, I love the old XCOM video games. I love seventh continent. So I, I will say the exploration here, even though you're flipping over square cards, is almost nothing like seventh continent. Like no. often the places you're going don't matter that much. And you're really looking for icons. Now it might seem dull, but it does get better as you go later into the cycle. Cause the objectives start like making things matter more. And sometimes you are actually looking for specific things, which can be both frustrating or cool. So, like, if you're coming in for exploration where you feel like you're learning about the land, this is not the best one for that. But that being said, it's still fun to move around. It's still fun to find stuff and, like, see what you're doing and, like, manage your faction alliances and such. But all the other stuff about the ship management, the uh, the tech tree, the crafting, like, picking which items and things I want to get, seeing my stuff get stronger. You get free tech advancement every, like, couple of days, basically. You don't have to, like, save up resources. It's never, like, not going to happen. And I really yeah. like that. Like, you always have cool things coming in. You always have cool new options. And then your characters level up, too. You know, you have, like, when you have these uh, little narrative adventures, you'll, like, check off these things, and your characters will unlock new abilities. Uh, you'll get new titans and, like, new other things that I won't spoil. So I, I just think all of that is super exciting. Like I said, the one negative is, well, I guess a couple of negatives. Uh, it is like a lot of moving around and managing stuff. The app makes it way better. So you don't have to like write stuff down. So I use the app once I uh, downloaded it, uh, but that could be annoying. Kind of like the, just the management of it all. 
And then, like I said, if you're coming in for like a seventh continent exploration where like every flipped card is unique and meaningful, that's not really the way the game goes with it. So that could disappoint people too. But for me, loved it. Uh, again, it, it is weird. Even though this game is like so heavily combat focused and might seem closer to Oathsworn, a lot of the things I love about it, and I'll stop because I'm getting to my final thoughts, but a lot of the things I love about it are closer to why I loved ISS Vanguard last year. But I'll stop there. My number three, the Argo journey and like all the journey stuff I love. Yeah, spoiler alert, that's not one of my things, although it's going to come into my number one point. Okay, um, okay. And, and, and we'll get to that when we get there. My number two is the rest of combat. <laughs> and this I, I broke up because combat is just such a big thing. And it's mostly um, focused around the Triskelion, which mm-hmm. is this... The Triskelion, just think of it as like a triangle where basically there are three points and each point is like another way you can either get better or worse or die. And it resets after each combat. So it's this, it's this, you know, counter you have in front of you that's triangle shaped. And in the upper left, it's, uh, there's something called rage. And every time you attack, you take up your rage by one. And what that does is it actually helps you with this one track called the Kratos track, which like, at level one, you get to put one of those tokens in, whether it's the one that makes it easier to hit or whether it makes it easier to deal damage for the second person. On level two, you get to re-roll that, that two damage roll, like one of the dice in the two damage roll. On level three, you get to put another token in. So as your rage is going up, you're gonna you're getting more and more powerful, but you lose control of your Titan if you ever get above nine, just like any of these other tracks as well. As you get higher, you're either going to either immediately die or lose stuff. So the other one is your fate track that's in the upper right, and that one is your re-roll track. So it lets you re-roll your two hit rolls. So again, you're only usually rolling like two to three dice. That'll let you re-roll those every time you take up your fate. You can re-roll one of those dice. The other interesting part about the fate track is the enemy will, during the enemy activation, will have like a little symbol that says, if your fate is three or more, the enemy also does this to you. Or it'll just accelerate, like instead of pushing you five, he pushes you seven or whatever else. So it's kind of neat how that rolls in. And the last side is the danger side. And that one uh, has another track associated with it, which is the wound track. And basically all it means is after they attack you, whatever your danger level is, usually it's like one to three, take a minor wound. Four to six, take a major wound. Seven and eight, take this other card. And like 10 plus, you're just take the 50-50 chance you're going to die card. So that's kind of your damage tracker on the bottom there. So I just like the way this works, and I like the way it works with those little tracks, especially the rage track where you get more and more powerful the more you attack. is is kind of neat how, how that works. So for me, that was probably the coolest part of combat is how those three tracks interplay, and that's really where you're making a lot of your decisions is is using those tracks during combat. Yeah, and I love particularly that uh, that rage track thing because I think a lot of games, especially these boss battlers, and this kind of comes from video games, I think, have like the idea of the bosses getting tougher. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty common thing, right? Like you defeat a boss and they like switch into their second form as Peter hacks up along here. And uh, I muted. They didn't hear that. Only <laughs> oh, you heard that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. But yeah, like like the idea that the bosses like get better, but the idea that the players get better is a much more rare thing. Uh, like you have like that in some games where like you late, like I'm thinking like Marvel champions, you get your engine going Sentinels of the multiverse, you get your powers out uh, the upcoming primal, you like unlock your like advanced like power and stuff. 
But yeah, this one has like a really steady increase in your power as the enemies get stronger. And I think that's super cool compared to games where either the enemy only gets stronger or you both get weaker as combat goes on. It's very exciting. Did you want to talk about how the enemy gets stronger or is that part of one of your points? Well, number two is the primordials and all the ways the bosses work. Yeah, so the primordial is the name of like the bosses you're fighting. And again, a lot of this is straight from KDM, or not straight from, but very heavily inspired by KDM. I won't go into all of that kind of stuff. I'll just talk about the game and its own merits. So basically, the bosses have an AI card. Uh, the deck is leveling up as you hit them and hurt them. So they start out with like kind of weaker AI cards and get stronger and stronger. That's exciting. That's dangerous. You've seen that in a lot of games. KDM has it. Osworn has it. This one has it too, but it works well. The body part deck is like what you're actually trying to destroy. And those cards get both tougher to kill as you destroy them but also have better benefits for doing so and become like more critical parts of like the boss's anatomy they don't happen too often when you get critical hits on body parts when you defeat them then you usually like uh incapacitate or do something like special to the enemy for the rest of the fight it can be like really exciting it's it's extremely cinematic like how the kind of combat on the boss side works and then like i I think just um the boss ai And the way they level up, because the bosses level up each time you fight them, you get a tougher version of that boss. And that's like very exciting too, the way they change up. Although it can also be very punishing. So I really like all of it. Now, the one thing I think to warn about, you know, cycle one is a ton of hours, like 60 hours or so. And I think that's right based on how long it took me to get as far as I am. And sort of, you know, KDM, one of the complaints is unless you spend hundreds more dollars on expansions, you're fighting a ton of lions and maybe gazelles or antelopes or whatever they are uh, for <laughs> like many, many, many uh, lantern years. Um, and th- that's kind of the case here too, because in cycle one, you are jumping back and forth between two different primordials. Most of the time, a third primordial jumps in the mix sometimes. And then you have a fourth one. But that being said, like even after fighting the same thing multiple times, there's enough of a, a gap with the journeying that you don't like feel like you're fighting them right up on each other. And the fights play out differently. The like uh, the mechanics and the AI attacks they do are very like different. And the way they level up like adds very, very important considerations and like complications to the fights. So I, it didn't bother me. Like it bothered me more in KDM, even though like the lions also level up like that felt like more of a repetitive exercise uh, here. I think they did a better job with it, but I think the bosses work great. I think the combat is incredibly cinematic and tense because of it. They can also punish you and be random and like suddenly kill all of you. That's of course not fun, but uh, you know, I think it's a price you pay for the fun parts of it. Well, and in KDM, part of the thing is like, they kind of let you choose what you wanted to do. Like, ah, I feel like fighting a level two this time. There was no sense of progression to me. Like, yeah, you need to level up to get better stuff. I, I like here how they just level them up for you. It's like, no, this is when you'll be ready to fight a level two boss. It, it almost felt like with KDM, it's like you'd have to go through at least one or two super simple battles where you're like, oh, yeah, that was way too easy. We need to level the boss up. I, I, I like, And also, like, the balancing had problems sometimes because, like, they want you to level up, but actually the gear you need, you can, like, just fight level one lions instead or, like, you never want to fight this monster because the gear doesn't really matter and, like, it's not actually worth it. Yes. So, yeah, there th- th- were growing pains uh, that, you know, Poots has fixed with some of the later expansions and things. But anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, all I was going to say is I think it's done well here um, as far as it kind of forces you to progress and it doesn't feel like there's as many fights i feel like Mm. there's more story stuff probably well they space it out better because kdm is literally go to the settlement have some events go on the hunt die a bit 
and then fight a boss like that. Well, is, they also kill is... you with the events too, which well, I don't yeah, feel yeah. like the, they do I mean, here. The, the whole hunt phase of KDM, I've never enjoyed. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like this whole like you did the the battle. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like 50 steps, um, and I guess that's my number one. So I'll just get to it now. This game is simple. Like you watch somebody play, you're like, oh yeah. You just <laughs> roll to see how they hit you, and you roll to see how you hit. And moving around the map, it's like okay, whatever icons there, you just do what it says for the icon, right? So everything you're doing is very simple, but you are doing a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff. And like, so just the exploration stage, which you were talking about, Mike, there's like nine steps to it. And sometimes that step is literally nothing. Like there's nothing to deal with. And sometimes one step is like 30 minutes of reading and going back and forth. And like (laughs) this triggers that, which triggers the next thing. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Like, you have six days of travel, and I'm like, oh, Nick, let's just do, like, a day of travel before our next fight, and then we'll get right into the fight, and then that could be, like, 45 minutes, and then we go through five days, and literally nothing happens. Uh, And, and, you know, you just get your resources for moving around, and you get a little bit of this or a little bit of that, and you just keep going. So, thankfully, as as you said to me as I was, like, talking about it at, at some points... Usually they're pretty good about only having one or two big story moments where you're doing like all this stuff between. But for me, that that part got overwhelming. And and even the fact that I couldn't sit down and go, okay, this is like gonna be five minutes because it's only one day, right? It's There's no consistency between the days. So it's six days between fights. That part's consistent. But like one day to the next, I mean, a, a day could literally be less than a minute or it could be like, oh, you got in a fight in the middle of that day, by the way, because somebody's chasing you and caught you, which is in the rules. So I don't feel like it's that much of a spoiler. Like, you know, you have somebody chasing your ship down and, you know, like he might have caught you and now you have a whole fight before your fight, which is all cool, but it adds up to be a lot. And again, I think some people are going to like that and some people aren't. They do a good job of increasing the complexity little by little, but it's still a lot. And I feel like I finally got a good grasp of it now. But I mean, it's funny. You said the first campaign is 60 hours. I don't know if that's like when you know how to play or not, because there's a lot of rules looking up when you first play. Right. And a lot of like trying to figure out what you're doing. At least there was for me. So I feel like I've done 60 hours in the first quarter of the campaign, but I feel like the next quarter will probably be way faster. Right. Now that like, I I feel like there's a decent amount of ramp up which you kind of want in a game like this, because if you're going to be spending hours and hours and hours, there needs to be a certain level of complexity. But at the same time, I feel like while no one part is overwhelming, all of it together is overwhelming when you're first getting into it. And I think the onboarding with like the sort of tutorial is pretty good. The big weakness is that they have like no player aids. They have no like easy round summaries. Like there's stuff like in one of the rule books, but it's awkward to get to and to keep out. Yep. I printed some stuff out and that helped me out a ton, but like I did have to go and find something and print it out <laughs> to make that happen. Yeah, which I don't mind. But even that it's like, like I said, the travel steps, like nine different phases and each of them can be like, you know, very quick or not. Uh, Dom TV yeah. says, did you have frustrations around the card organization? The fact that cards aren't numbered like in Lands of Gale Zero or Seventh Continent makes fetching cards annoying. Not only that, I'll, I'll take it one step further. They have secret decks, which is kind of cool. Like you go in to find certain cards or whatever. But secret deck one might be normal size cards. Secret deck two could be large cards. Secret deck three could be tiny. Well, I, I don't think the tiny ones had secret decks. But like, 
it's all over the place. And like, it's yeah. not even like mission one, you're going to get all secret deck one stuff. Like they sent me to secret deck three and one and five or something. And I'm like, what? Like, like why aren't they all in the same deck? You know, yeah, and it, it should, they should have at least indicated what size they each are when they sent them to you. I think, I think that was just a big oversight. Yes. Yeah. What, what bothers me more, Dom, is less the numbering. I never had a trouble finding like the numbers of things. Uh, they didn't give any uh, dividers with the game. And like the the insert is pretty good, but it just has like wells for the cards. So like things are all over the place. And I wish I just had like some dividers to be like, hey, here's where you put the cycle three bosses. Ignore that for the next hundred hours. <laughs> here's where you put the yes. cards you need right now. <laughs> so I just basically kept everything I needed for cycle one on the table, but it's already a huge game. So like that would be viable if you didn't have a really big table. Well, and I think Dom has a very good point here. He says secret decks could have been part of the normal deck if they were all just numbered. Yeah. It's like, all right, get cards one through 20. All right. Secret comes up, get card 21, get card 25, get card, whatever. Honestly, that's the way we're doing it for our games. So, I mean, obviously we think it's a good idea because that's how we're doing it. So I agree with you. The organization's not great. And I guess one last part of this is this game's not easy to take out and put away either. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot in the game. There's a lot that's going on at the same time. You need a fairly big table because like Mike said, there's an exploration phase and there's this big battle board as well. And honestly, you kind of need them both out. Like, you know, as you're exploring around, you don't want to like, I mean, it's easy enough to set the map back up if you wanted to every time, but that would be kind of annoying. And like to put it away and then come back and start playing again. Like, like you said, there's no dividers or anything to say, what are my current weapons? Like Mm -hmm. I'd have to put them like the organization and dividers. Great. Or not divider, but you know, they have sex, they have little spots for everything. That's awesome. But like, there's no way to separate out like, cards that are part of your character you know in your inventory or whatever like they don't they didn't think about those little touches which would have been really nice and made the game much easier to onboard and, and offboard yeah so. it's interesting uh down brought up galzir lands of galzir i would also say iss vanguard like some of these big games even though they have a ton of stuff well galzir doesn't have a ton of stuff but but iss vanguard has a ton of stuff and that one was much easier to put away i think uh you know, awaken realms experience, a uh, greater experience with games certainly like paid off there. Anyway, let's get to my number one. We got to finish this up. Uh, so my number one is uh, the kind of the, all the stuff in the player turn. Um, and this is like the most potentially mixed point for me. Although I think all of my other points had like some cons and pros. I like Peter. I think the Triskelion is super interesting and like the choices there, especially like in rerolls and such and making yourself more vulnerable to reroll things. I think that's great. I love how you level up with the monsters. I really like the trauma cards. Like they can be super punishing, but they also give you positive effects that are amazing. And, you know, Peter and I often talk about with some of these games, like cinematic combat. I think the combat here is among the most cinematic I've played for better or worse. Like it could be cinematically you know, that your your character gets disemboweled on the second attack of the boss and suddenly you have one less hero in the game. So it's not always going to be like good for some players, but I, I think it is memorable and exciting and tense consistently. And that's one of the things I love. Now on the negative side, and this is very dependent on a uh, player count. I played this mainly solo. So I was able to just kind of curl up like I'm reading a book sometimes, like go through those long narrative passages, stay up way too late, like one night I stay up until like 3 a.m. I was like, ah, this, this is definitely like a game that encourages you like one more, one more turn, one more battle, one more turn, one more battle. So <laughs> I, I think for that, it's fine. But uh, 
you know, we played this three player. I haven't played four player yet, but in four player and even kind of three player, like sometimes your character gets knocked halfway across the world. Sometimes you die early. Sometimes well, you're like, and knocked, knocked down. down a lot. Yeah. yeah. Knocked down a lot. So you like miss turns, you have whiffs. So I definitely think it's for me, a mainly one to two player game, like having yep. multiple heroes. I think the tactic, and, and this is true of a lot of these games, like a lot of boss battlers, KDM has the exact same thing. I think controlling two or three or all four characters is much more tactically engaging for me. And then finally, I'll say like another thing that Peter already brought up. It is uh, so random sometimes and you can get really like, you can get really screwed. It didn't happen too many times to me. And like Peter said, you have those coins to redo a battle, but like the very first turn on the level two uh, Hecaton uh, or the level two other guy that I won't spoil they, they can kill one of your guys sometimes if, yeah. if the right sequence of events happens and you don't have, like, there are a lot of mitigating gear that you'll have at that point by the time you're fighting enemies that tough. But, you know, if the right person didn't have the right gear and the right sequence of events happens, one of your guys could be out, like, right away. So, yeah, there, there are crazy swings. Like I said, it can well, be it, so exciting and cinematic. It can go the other way, be, too. Absolutely, yeah. Like, absolutely. I, our first seven pulls from that one 50-50 death deck were all no death. <laughs> literally got three like, deaths in a row so it was, that's funny yeah it was like seven in a row and then this last battle we fought from a major injury which is only taking four damage which you can do in one attack yep. from the boss if you get unlucky even with re-rolls like it could just happen i pulled out a card that killed me literally <laughs> killed my character now if it's in the lower decks they they do a good job of like you get a benefit like, oh, yes. get a final death blow on them, like take a free attack, do your, you know, do this other stuff. But my character was dead, like literally after one attack against them. So there's that. Uh, yeah. So it, it's swingy, but both ways. Yes. And again, for me, that's exciting, but it could also be frustrating for people. Uh, so final thoughts. I'll go first. I think people know mine better. I think this game is not going to be for everybody in the slightest. It's super expensive. It takes up tons of space. It can be very complex to learn. Um, it's not the friendliest with like storage and all that kind of stuff. It has a ton of reading. It's very random. But I found this grabbed me and would not let go while I was playing it. I'm very excited to play it. Like I said, it, it even though the combat is much more like KDM and Oathsworn and ISIS Vanguard is, Vanguard is almost no combat. The uh, the story element, the exploration, the interest like in characters and all that kind of stuff and what the heck is going on in the universe reminded me a lot of ISS Vanguard and I love that kind of stuff. So I was 100% hooked by the story and the setting and like the narrative in general. And then I thought the, the combat mechanics were excellent. Like some of the tensest, most exciting uh, combat I've had. Is it as tactical and, you know, do I feel as clever playing it as something like, like Gloomhaven or Oathsworn? Yeah. Heck no. Like the mechanics are much more simple and sometimes they can even be frustrating. But it is so exciting to have the combat and there is never like a dull turn of combat. Whether yeah. the uh, boss is mashing you or whether you are like pulling off a crazy, you know, like when I jumped on <laughs> the vantage point of a, one of the bosses, it was like stabbing him like in the head from like above. Oh, it's so cool. You know, <laughs> like I, I feel like this game will give you like stories for combat and like great stories for the thing, but absolutely stay away. If you're not ready for too much stuff being thrown at you, like more, like I wish they had broken it up and that, that was viable in a Kickstarter, you know, like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I generally, I, I love it. Like uh, it, it is so frustrating in a way. I mean, I, I feel very lucky to have gotten review copies of these very big games because I certainly would not have bought maybe any of these, you know, ISIS Vanguard, yeah. Oathsword or this one. I just don't buy big games like that for my own personal buying habits. 
Uh, so I, I'm lucky to have these review copies, but having so many great, for me, great, great campaign games come out so close to each other, you know, what, what are you going to do? But anyway, Peter, how about your final thoughts? I'm a little more mixed. I'm sure everybody could have guessed that. I do like the combat. I like the combat in KDM. If it was just that, I think I would have had a lot more fun. I think the town phase here is much more interesting. And I do think the combat's much more interesting here, actually, than KDM as well. I agree with you, though. It's cinematic. I like the swingy nature of it. I like the fact that we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what's going on here. And sometimes you just lose a character. And Nick's like, my son is like, well, what happens when, when my character dies? I'm like, nothing. Like, literally, you subtract one Titan from your inventory, and you're done. Now, if you have a named Titan or whatever else, like, you will get those later on. You'll lose. And, and it, it is it is unusual, but you can actually lose one of your people. I, I lost one in, like, 30 hours of play. So it happens, but it's really rare. Yeah. And th- that did hurt. Like, I had to, like, start it. I mean, the new character kind of levels up immediately to an extent, and you still have all your Titans, and you still have all your weapons, so it's not like you really lost that much. But still, I was like, oh, there, there goes that guy. He well, you can cool lose <laughs> weapons as well. Like, there are definitely yes. bosses that destroy your weapons. All that's exciting for me, actually. I like games where you not only progress, but kind of get knocked back every once in a while, too. Um, I mean, it doesn't feel like a situation where you're you're falling too far back. Because, honestly, I have way too many resources. I feel like we can craft, like, a ton of weapons. We could, you know... We have all this stuff that we never even use at this point. I'm like, oh, we crafted all these weapons. What are we going to do with them? I guess they're just sitting on the ship waiting for us to, like, lose other weapons. So at this point, unless the weapon is, like, substantially better than what we have, and I guess that's, for me, a little bit of a negative, too. It feels like a lot of the weapons are sideways from the weapons you have. Like, there was a club and there was, like, a giant club. It's like, well, it does a lot more damage, but it doesn't hit as well. So, like, there's a little bit of trade-offs there. I'm sh- and and the weapons do get better also, right? It's not just that. There's definitely progression. But there are a lot of sideways, like, do I want a javelin or do I want a sword? Well, they both kind of do similar things. One, you have to be two spaces away. One, you have to be one space away. So for me, that wasn't, you know, people are like, oh, wait till you get ranged weapons. And I got one. I'm like, okay, it's not, it wasn't that exciting for me. You know, the, the differences between the weapons. But it still was fun to do the combat. It was a fun tactical combat puzzle. Uh, there are other things we didn't even get into. Like, as you get hurt, you can unlock skills that you can attack with and things like that, which is kind of cool. So all I'm talking about is the combat, because for me, that was my favorite part. And honestly, I was a lot more negative on the game when I first started playing. But as the rules have on, it is a game that I probably would not have pushed through if it wasn't for the review. Because there are so many rules questions I had and so many little niggly things that just take a while to, like, wrap your head around. But I feel like once you wrap your head around them, it's actually not that bad. And I'm starting to get to the point where I feel like I'm not going to be looking stuff up as much anymore. And I feel like now I can just play and enjoy the game. The other thing that's kept me going is my son. My son's like, hey, do you want to play that again today? And I'm like, sure. Anytime your kid wants to do that, like, that certainly that bonding moment makes the game better for you. Like I said, he loves the combat. He loves the exploration stuff. And I do too. I like what you're doing there, like moving around. If it was just moving around, getting resources, stuff like that, I would like it a lot more. If the stories were a lot shorter, I'd like it a lot more. That's just me though. I I know that's a me thing. So for me, that is the weakest part of it. I actually do better when I read the stories in my own head because you could just say, oh, you know, you don't have to try to pronounce all those weird names and stuff. And I've even (laughs) stopped trying to do it out loud with my son. I'm like the A guy over here and like, the eye, the eye girl and like, you know, like 
whatever, just like the first letter of their name. I don't even try anymore just to try to get through it faster because certainly reading, at least for me in my head is way faster than trying to read out loud. So, you know, those parts are frustrating for me, but I'm having fun. And I mean, I felt this way about KDM at first too, and I was very excited, but then as they introduce more complexity, I think I like the game less and less because it was harder to get back to the table. I'm frustrated mm. with the lack of an easy way to save it. Like, I mean, this is a giant game that you're expected to put 60 hours in that has to stay on your table. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, they should have put a lot of effort into figuring out how to mm. put it away and take it out again very easily. And I feel like that was just, like, kind of thrown in there. So there are definitely some frustrating parts. It's a, definitely a much more mixed review for me. Just because we've seen so many games that do it so well, right? And so that's the frustrating part. But is it fun? Do I enjoy what I'm doing? Absolutely. I'm having a blast playing it. Now, like, it was frustrating at first. It took me a while to get in. I actually think the tutorial is really good. I had a ton of fun playing the tutorial. And, like, it walked you through day by day what you're supposed to do. But then I feel like when they threw you into the main game, like, none of that translated. Like, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing because there was almost too much hand-holding. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't really understand what I was doing when I got into the main board. I'm like, I know I did that, but I don't know how I did that or why I did that, right? So, and that might be a me thing also. Did you have those same challenges going from the tutorial to the main game or? I mean, I, I like, li- just like you, I think this is happening to everybody. Yeah. W- when I stopped the tutorial, I was like, I know how to play. And then I was like, oh my God. I don't know. And until I printed out like those player references and went through the rules and I still got things wrong. I'm still probably getting things wrong. So yeah, it is a lot, but like you, I felt like I was mostly playing right and things were very smooth after a while. So that's, that's nice at least. Yeah. So I think a very positive review from Mike, he was saying he might even like it better than Osworn. We'll never know because they're in separate years. So they could both win your game of the year. We, uh, we no, it is funny that I, yeah, I didn't play this by the cutoff of my like top games of 2022. Yeah. So, yep. Well, we'll have to do, I mean, we're due for a top games of all time list coming up again at some point anyway, because I'm sure it has changed since the last time we did one. Yeah. So we will definitely have to revisit that again sometime soon, maybe with everybody. All right. So very positive for Mike, for me, leaning positive, but can you just cut out some words? Like, seriously, like, I mean, the difference between Osworn and this for me is Osworn, you could play the short game and it was just such an innovative thing to add in. Like, if you're not going to make your game short and you want to make it narrative based, that's great. But give somebody the option of like cutting all that out if they want to, because I I would want to cut it down, not out. All right. All right. So let's let's do let's do a quicker design discussion, Peter, because I, I since we started late, I can't stay up too late. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about dungeon crawlers versus boss battlers. Yep. So for, first of all, what even is the difference? <laughs> well, I, um, I, for me, it's just that boss battlers, you're fighting against a boss and lots of different bosses. The, the bosses tend to be pretty unique. And dungeon crawlers, you're there's a lot more exploration element to it typically mm. uh, whereas boss battlers you might be either on a stationary map i mean look primal took the map away right where you're just in the four different quadrants here it's like a pretty fixed map every time yeah you put some train elements down but they don't change the game that much and you look at some of even my more favorite boss battlers things like uh aeon's end uh mm. is you know just card base there is no terrain or anything at all whereas a dungeon crawl i don't know that you could do a dungeon crawl that's just card based I mean, you got like the new Perdition's Mouth one that's delivering. But yeah, I mean, when, when I say boss, like I did a whole on Patreon, I did like a whole ranking of like 
boss battlers that are KDM style miniature boss battlers, and then like card based and other boss battlers. If we're comparing like boss battlers to dungeon crawlers, I think we should probably focus on like the sort of KDM style because you know what is the similarity between Aeon Zed and Descent? I would say not much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas like there's a lot of similarities between like KDM and Descent if you like kind of peel back the layers. Well, there's um, Aeon Zed and Aeon Trespass share a word. So there's that. that. Ooh. They're both Aeon boss battlers. That's 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 some brand confusion right there. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, f- <coughs> an interesting thing is that a lot of boss battlers, some of them that are campaign based do have exploration like dungeon crawlers. But the big difference is that it's an entirely like separate mechanic and separate thing whereas dungeon crawlers you kind of expect to like be yeah, adding new tiles, you know, and like more monsters spawn. It's kind of like a progressive thing. You know, in uh, in Aeon Trespass, like you said, you're you're exploring, and then here's a battle. Does it have any connection to anything? Nope. It's battle time. It's battling time. Don't you know right. it's battling time? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I would say. See if you agree with the statement, Peter. On average, because like KDM style boss battlers are focusing focusing a hundred percent on interesting boss battles with generally unique AI mechanics, with unique ways to like in- interact with those enemies with more of a focus on like player card turns and stuff like within those kind of interactions, I would say that the pure like tactical combat in boss battlers tends to be of a higher standard for me than most dungeon crawlers, especially lately. I I feel like it's gone that way for sure. Whereas I think originally what if, if you just think about it, it makes sense that there would be more tactical options with more enemies on the board, right? Like these two people are flanking you over here and this person's over here. What are you going to do to deal with all these different threats on the board? Whereas boss battlers are like, well, there's one threat on the board, right? Like it should be less tactical, but I feel like it hasn't gone that way. And I think, I also feel like people aren't taking full advantage of having multiple enemies. Now there are certainly even boss battlers like Oathsworn, right? There are definitely missions where you're fighting more than one enemy at a time. And so that's where it gets... To me, the boss battler, the difference is are you skipping that exploring stuff and just going into Mm -hmm. big fights that are different each time with different bosses? It could be multiple bosses versus one. Um, I like boss battlers where they don't just have you fighting against one boss or maybe the boss is split up into separate parts or whatever else. For me, that's more exciting because I do think the more stuff you put on the board, the more tactical it can become. Even Adventure Tactics yeah. has like a lot of these scenarios that, not a lot, but enough scenarios where it's not just one boss. Maybe they got two minions with them, or maybe they got these other peons over here trying to distract you or whatever. Yeah, and I guess I, I, I kind of feel like a lot of dungeon crawlers that I can think of don't make the exploration and like the minion fighting exciting enough, and I feel like it often gets repetitive. Yep. It does depend on the game and like the player mechanics, like gloomhaven i love what i'm doing with my cards most of the time but like the act of moving through the dungeon is sometimes torturous you know what i mean it's like can i just walk over there without needing to like play 50 like effects to get there you know like especially when you fall behind it's very frustrating another thing that i think is interesting about a lot of the boss battlers versus dungeon crawlers is that the boss battlers at least like the big prominent ones that i can think of recently tend to force you to have this party of four. That is a very common thing, right? Yeah. In a lot of the card-based ones, like a uh, Testament that uh, yep. one we both enjoyed. And as frustrating as that can be at different player counts and stuff, 
it does give a consistency to the balance and like the tactical combos and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Whereas, whereas all these, uh, most of these dungeon crawler games at least let you get away with like two heroes. And sometimes they go up to like five heroes and they're trying to like balance like spawn values and the, the play length, like artisans of the splendid veil that I'm playing with my wife, two player battles are taking us like 45 minutes to an hour, just slightly too long. I've heard of people who are playing it four player that it just straight up doubles. And now suddenly the battle system, it doesn't really have enough legs to last that long is like a two hour thing for each scenario. And right. It's like, Wah. You know, whereas like KDM, Oathsworn, Aeon Trespass, I feel like all those battles tend to be like a nice, like 45 minute to an hour because they have a balance for the exact player count. So I feel like crawlers tend to try to accommodate like all player counts and even some boss battlers do too. And often that is to their detriment for the play experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that before. And it's funny because we have a dungeon crawl and we are not doing that. We are scaling it based on players. Although... But, but we did it better. Well, well, allowing some simultaneous play, I think, helps as well, right? Because that players decide to play simultaneously. It takes away that time element of it. But yeah, uh, I never thought about that. I never thought about it that way. But you're right. A lot of boss battlers. Do. I don't think that is a requirement for the genre, though. I think you could certainly have boss battlers. I'm thinking Street Masters, where you know you can play one character to four characters. I, I kind of feel like those are boss battlers, right? Yeah, what well, Street Masters sort of takes in like a little bit of the at least the minion fighting of like a dungeon crawler. I think you can hybridize it though, and that's what we've absolutely, absolutely d- done with spare parts. I feel like, like it's not a straight up boss battle, right? Because you're definitely like fighting different sets of enemies with different mm-hmm. challenges in different rooms. But then we took away the whole running to the next room thing, right? Like video games do this all the time. Like you clear a room, and then you see a like cut scene of you running to the next room. Well, that's what we did basically. Like you fight the room, you beat the room. And then you end up in the next room, right? Like, why are we going to show you walking down the hallway? I don't I don't think that's a requirement for, like, a dungeon crawl. So I think there could be yeah. some kind of a hybrid option here where you could have more minions. You could have those minion fights be more interesting and more tactical. But you're still getting to a boss at the end of each level or at least something interesting at the end of each level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the hybridization, I mean, like, really, this is in some ways a semantic argument. Because, like, is Cthulhu Death May Die a dungeon crawler? There's not really any exploration. All the tiles are laid out, like, right at the top. Sure. I mean, they're all, like, tactical minis games. But, you know, like, I think of a classic dungeon crawler as having something that boss battlers usually don't have, which is, like, finding new equipment and leveling up. You know, like, I'm thinking, like, all the way back to, like, first edition Descent, where you would get, like, the silver and the gold items and be wrecking like dozens of monsters with like your new super powerful items. But I don't know uh, that you that's know, but, true anymore because the new descent doesn't have that. Right. Well, right. I was going to say a lot of dungeon crawlers have left that behind to an extent. And then, you know, it's not quite the same, but Aeon trespass with the rage track does have you leveling up as you go, which most boss battlers don't do. Sure. So yeah, I, I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot of uh wiggle room in like the definitions. There's a lot of, you know, wiggle room and how they each do it. But yeah, I, I'm still interested in like, so, you know, some, I think our game Spare Parts borrowed a lot of boss battler and KDM-ish mechanics for our boss fights. Yep. But I think it's interesting to look at the boss fights in Dungeon Crawlers. Like the boss fights in Descent are generally an embarrassment. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for something cool and different, it's like, here is the exact same stuff you've been doing, but this boss is a little bit stronger. I will give Legends of the Dark, like the third one, some credit. They had like, 
some bosses where you had to like flip some switches or attack some things before they were vulnerable. That was kind of like at least interesting, like objective wise. Sure. Gloomhaven did a little bit better. Like they've got like sort of unique like boss like actions and like spawning and stuff. But yeah, I, th- I think generally speaking, bosses in dungeon crawlers are disappointing compared to boss battlers. But that makes sense. <laughs> you don't want to introduce uh, and, and to go a different way, sword and sorcery which introduced a ton of extra mechanics for bosses, like the like uh, taunting and getting them like the focus and stuff. I, I feel like uh, for me and for a lot of people, that game kind of got too complicated. And like, it- it's annoying to have to like do all these extra rules when you like get to the boss phase. So I can understand why a dungeon crawler would want to keep things consistent and have the bosses just be kind of like beefier monsters. And I can understand why boss battlers would benefit from just cutting out all the other stuff and being like, nope, this is the only way it works. This is the deck. Draw from the deck. That boss does that. Right. Like you kind of get simplicity when you focus on one or the other, you know? So uh, there's another element to this, the story element to it, right? I feel like boss battlers, like there's this whole story leading up to the boss fight. Like KDM, for example, you have that hunt phase where you're like hunting to get to the boss. Like that's almost like the first level of a dungeon crawl, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, level three is the boss, but level one and two is kind of like the hunt phase where you're just rolling dice and, and getting there pretty quickly. Here, they don't exactly do that, but here in Oswarn kind of do the same thing where it's like you have this whole story phase where you're just reading it, but you're still doing those things, right? Like you're taking danger, you're taking rage, you can use re-rolls, like you're using the same mechanics and you're, like when you go into the boss fight, you're a little bit hurt in a lot of these games. I mean, Oswarm does the same thing. You get like a bunch of tokens as you go around and do things. So I almost feel like there's this story element to boss battlers now that gets introduced in the in-between the boss fights where they're using it to damage you a little bit. Because that's, I mean, to some degree, the whole point of like dungeon crawl, like running around is for you to level up a little bit, is for you to get new equipment, is for you to get a little hurt. Like, the better you do at that first part, like, the better prepared you are for the second part. And I almost feel like they're still doing that with boss battlers. They're just doing it in a more narrative-focused way. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And it's funny, like, going back to when you had mentioned, like, StarCraft and WarCraft, I feel like a lot of dungeon crawlers don't do this, but they have the potential to dole out story moments as you go. Like, clearly, like, the app-based games, like Mansions of Madness and Descent, have a lot of that, you know, where, like, little story beats happen. Right. But even, like, older dungeon crawlers, like, you would enter a room, and you'd, like, reveal what's in that room, and you'd read a little passage. The orc warlord laughs at you. Ha, ha, ha. You know, and then you gotta fight him. You know, you can have, like, little surprises. Whereas, like you said, boss battles tend to be this very, you know, kind of, like, segmented, segregated, like, okay, story, story, story. Here is boss. Nothing new will happen kill boss you know and that story 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 yeah <laughs> uh, which is is neither here nor there i'm not saying it's uh, worse or uh, better by the way uh i love dom 2d just made a really good comment and i i feel this way too i wonder if you do peter so he said descent three was missing the enemy behavior variety for me after playing boss battlers i do think yeah after playing kdm after playing aeon trespass after playing uh Oathsworn. Oathsworn, I mean, it depends. So I will say I still really love streamlined dungeon crawlers where it's like a joy to play and it's quick. But if you're like a medium weight dungeon crawler and like it's kind of crunchy to play you and it takes a long time to set up and all this stuff, but you still have the basic like, hey, you move and attack. Hey, they move and attack with none of like the cool variety that I think has been brought in by other games like Boss Battlers. 
I definitely personally like don't feel as impressed by those games and as drawn in by those games anymore. Or even I, you know, this is boss battles, but I think you know, Gloomhaven showed me that my turn could be cooler. Now, sometimes again, Gloomhaven goes too far, and it's like, can I just simplify this and punch a guy? Um, <laughs> so I guess my taste shifts back and forth, but. I do think that I have like kind of different expectations after playing a lot of these boss battlers and things. Well, Gloomhaven has enemy AI decks. So there's at least a little bit of that. Uh, Dom yeah. points out the two games that don't, and you could hear about it in our reviews. Like we have full reviews on those as well. If you're a podcast listener, they're definitely still up there. Just uh, look it up. I mean, we were very negative about the new descent legends of the dark yeah. or whatever the third one is. And vagrant songs, the other one he brings up, which is a boss yep. battler, which I did not find as interesting for whatever reason as, as these other ones we've been playing. Um, and I think it was fairly low for you as well. On yes. The list no, last v- year. Vagrant song was not very impressive for me. Yeah, and yeah it's, it's, it, uh, it is a boss battler. I, I do like uh, uh, Dr. Han brought up that like enemy behavior variety is good, but you have to be able to plan for it. I think Vagrant Song did that pretty well. Like you knew what the five possible actions for the boss wa- were. Right, and they were pulling But the boss's actions yeah. weren't, a lot of them weren't that cinematic or interesting. And your turn was like boredom personified. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, like, yeah, Trespass, your turn isn't that exciting if you just look at it. It's like you can move up to five spaces and attack. Then you can stab him. <laughs> yes. You know, and like all the face of it, but you're making choices with like your fate. You're making choices with what tokens you want to leave for the next player. You know, you're making choices for like whether you really want to go for that hit or not. You're making choices for like which side of the boss you want to be on. Like they're little things. But and then just flipping that body part card and be like, oh, what's he gonna do to me? Oh my god, he's gonna smash me just because I hit him? Like yeah, I almost feel like the board's not necessary for Aeon Trespass. I, I mean, I hate to sure. say it, but but I really do think you're right. All the fun play is in front of you. None of the fun plays on the board. So while we say there are these cinematic moments, like the decisions you're making is, okay, he always knocks me to the right. So I'm going to make sure that I don't line up with any columns or any other Titans to my right, right? Yes, it's the decision. I, is it the most interesting decision? I don't know. I think most of the interesting decisions are not the tactical parts of the game. I think they're in the card play and how you used your Triskelion to, to alter yeah, fate yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I think- and that's, I, I know you're more cold on it, but that's why I'm so excited by Primal. Yeah, they just take the board away for the most part. Yeah, it's just like, are you left? Are you right? You're in the back. Okay, you get hit by his tail. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it's also the enemy activates based on where you are and what you do. Like they don't even get a turn. They're just doing stuff in reaction to you. So I, I don't know. I, I love, I think I love that one. I've loved what I've played. And hey, Peter, that one, you can just fight a dragon and that's all you got to do. You don't got to read a single story element. There is a campaign with a story if you want. You can just fight a dragon, dude. I feel like I'm going to like that one quite a bit, but I either need to sit back and watch a video, maybe even one of our videos on it that we've done, or run the AI myself, because for me, there's a lot of obfuscation in what's going on, and it feels like it shouldn't be that complicated, but I just... My biggest problem is I didn't know the consequences of my actions, even though I should know the consequences of my actions, if that makes sense. So I'm like, oh, I'll just do this. And you're like, but that's going to make him attack you twice. I'm like, why? How? What? (laughs) So I I, I like the fact that they're giving you options there. Um, And this is a little bit off topic, I guess, at this point. But um, I like the fact that they were giving you options. But I, I feel like, again, they're not necessarily new player friendly. Just because, again, if you're the new player, you haven't read the rules. You're not running the AI, right? Like, hey, new player, run the AI over here. So because of that, 
I feel like, and look, this is true for a lot of games, even Marvel Champions, I didn't love my first few times playing it, which is one of my favorite games of all time now, which is kind of a boss battler. I didn't like it because I didn't understand what was going on. It took me gameplays and gameplays. And I feel Mm -hmm. like all these games have that. And so I feel like they almost should be more of a ramp up. Like we said, the tutorial here was freaking awesome. I almost feel like they needed a day two tutorial, right? Where it's not necessarily as linear, but, you know, kind of a next step. Oh, here are the other yeah. traps that you'll fall into. Like, I, I almost want all these type games to guide me in a little bit softer. Jaws of the Lion did a really good job of that. I think that's probably the one that has the best tutorial system. Because it's five days, right? They start you out super yeah. basic. This is how you move. Like, you're never going to forget how to move and attack. Because that's day one, right? Like, super simple. They give you totally basic cards. And then day two, they added in, all right, here's one or two more complicated cards. Or one or two more complicated things to add in. And so they slowly ramped you into it. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. here, I feel like they covered ele- every element. But they tried to cover every element in a six-day tutorial, right? One fight and, like, going through six days. And every day they introduce a new element, but it's just overwhelming uh, amounts of stuff. I feel like these games could do a better job of onboarding people and making it simpler. Yeah. You, you also don't have to go big with these games. Like, most of the ones we're talking about are huge, expensive campaign games. But uh, now this game's still expensive. But Townsfolk Tussle is a very streamlined boss battler. It's only four scenarios in a campaign. You know, if you want to, you want to call that a campaign. And I feel like that one is not tough to learn and is very straightforward. Now I don't like it as much as almost any of the other boss battles we've right. talked about. I enjoy it, but I don't like it as much nearly as like Aeon Trespass or uh, Ostworn or all those kind of things. But still it's cool that they made it a lot uh, easier to get into. And then like on the dungeon crawler side, like I'd call this a dungeon crawler, but um, upcoming game that I went all in on, uh, Valor and Villainy. Yeah, sorry. That's like a super streamlined dungeon crawler, but you're still exploring. You're still like leveling up and getting items. And it's super fun. And like everything they cut is something I didn't need. You know what I mean? Like all all the fun stuff is there. None of the chafe. And what would you call? um, Oh, gosh. They just did a second edition of it. Uh, It's just with the chips and you'd have the life underneath of them. Not too many bones. Hoplomachus. No, not Hoplomachus. Not not a chip theory game. Uh, the first Doomrock. <laughs> Assault on Doomrock. Oh, Assault on Doomrock, yeah. Because you had like three boss battles, but each of them was not just a boss, right? You'd be fighting minions too. So I feel yeah, like Yeah, I mean, I still a... call it pretty much a boss battle right. in that it is like just focus on the combat. When you're in the combat, it has like the separate exploration phase. You have a unique deck for like the boss to activate. Even when there's minions, it's still one deck you're drawing from. Yep. Um, no, I think that's a very good game and, and ahead of its time in many ways. Like KDM was kind of a uh, trendsetter and like a yep. an innovator. And I think uh, Salt on Doomrock was as well. Uh, Although it didn't yeah. get the love just because. No, no, definitely not. I, th- and, I think. And even when. Well, they I don't read... know, I think KDM got the love either. <laughs> you know, well, but everybody talks about it took KDM. For people to, yeah, I know. But look how long it took for people to imitate KDM and who the heck is actually. How people are actually playing KDM. Like it is such a. I will give, by the way, Aeon Trespass, Oathsworn, all those. They're, again, very expensive. But as someone who isn't very good at putting together miniatures, they just give you the dang game and you can play it. Oh, that's... KDM... We never mentioned way that, less. yes. KDM, you get so much less stuff in the base box. Like, so much less stuff in terms of, fi- like, bosses you can fight than uh, Oathsworn and uh, Aeon Trespass. And then, yeah, like, I mean, it's, I guess I know some people find it fun to put together miniatures and they are great miniatures once they're put together, but KDM is a, such a, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not surprised. Most people have not played it unless it's like on TTS or something. Cause how would you, you right. know? <laughs> right. 
and the mod for for KDM on TTS is amazing. Oh, it's so good. So but good. like at the same time, you kind of like for all these games when I play them on TTS, I want to make sure that I own the game. And like I, I played it with Barrett, who owns the game, so I didn't feel guilty about that. But yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, I think it'd be very inaccessible to get and play that game. But anyway, so I think we're both leaning toward boss battlers lately. As far as like, if you had to choose one to go to, like a go to, like I can't think of a dungeon crawl unless you consider Cthulhu Death May Die a dungeon crawl. I can't think of one dungeon crawl that I like better than games like Osworn. Um, now that's hard because Osworn's like well, <laughs> one I, I, of my I, favorite I games think of all time now. But I think it's what I said a moment ago. I'm leaning toward lighter dungeon crawls and heavier boss battlers, if that makes sense. That like, I don't sense. know if I'd want to, like, uh, like we have Frosthaven, like, in our group, like, not me, but my friend pledged, our friend pledged it, and I'm, like, not even slightly, like, I'm sure we'll play it at some point, and we'll see how it is, but I'm not, like, even tiny bit in a hurry to play it. Right. Because I would say it's a crunchier dungeon crawler, and yes. if I'm going to play that, I'd just rather play more Oathsworn or Aeon Trespass or ISS Vanguard, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, I'm super excited for Valor and Villainy. I would still be happy to throw down Bloodborne. That's pretty streamlined. I'd still be happy to throw down like Cthulhu Death May Die. Like all these like oh, that things one's great. that are... That, that's yeah. definitely up there for me too. The, the, and you know, they're not giant campaigns. Yep. They're quick. They're fun. They're punchy. The rules are straightforward. Like I can also play them with my kids. I really enjoyed Resident Evil uh, 3. And that's another like dungeon crawler-ish game that's like very light and easy to play. Yeah, it's, it's just like... I'm curious. If I'm going to play a big campaign game, I'd rather play one of these other ones and then something that's like a long campaign but not crunchy in the slightest like descent lenses of the dark just totally falls flat for me right now you know yeah well i'm curious if our opinions are going to change when that new um what's the fish based one dungeon crawl oh i did love that game that that's right. great which uh, one's that and, and, and that's not light i like i, I um what's it called uh two. title blades two title blades title two. blades two yeah I wonder if our opinions are going to change because that one's definitely more of a dungeon crawl. Although, again, you're just—we don't know. We haven't played enough of it, but you're definitely fighting through minions to get to a boss fight at the end, and the boss fight is is kind of interesting. Again, I, I think it's probably more of a hybrid. But I wonder if they're gonna—they're probably not going to have that in between step. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Where you're doing all that leveling up and buying gear and all that stuff between missions. No, no. From what we've seen, it's like very quick and straightforward. Right. So I'm wondering if our opinion will change once that one comes out. Because that one does seem like more of a traditional dungeon crawl. And it seems super fun. Uh, I'm excited oh, about I, that Oh, I, I love that one. Yeah, no, you're right. And Red Dragon Inn, too. crunchier one. Yep, and re- yeah, Red Dragon Inn. But that... That, yeah, that what's one, weird is that those, those are closer to boss battlers. Yeah, that there's no exploration. Like it's just like a a map you set out or a book you open and you go. Right. Uh, yeah. So I don't know because <laughs> one that's a little bit closer to uh, boss uh, dungeon crawlers that I'm excited about. Oh crap! Now I can't remember it. Last time I talked to us, you about it on like one of our top uh, twenty episode or whatever. You couldn't remember it. Now I can't. Uh, it's the one that I had you look up. Um, with the book and the adventure, but that, that's a lighter adventure game with simpler mechanics, but it's a dungeon crawler. It's got a lot more exploration and yeah, whatever. I can't remember it. So <laughs> that's all right. I mean, we played so many of these lately, and that's the thing ever since Gloomhaven came out, there seems to be like this surge of adventure games. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they were always there, but now they're because the bar has been raised and the mechanics are more interesting. It was easy to skip yeah. a lot of them in the past. 
But now it's like, oh, all of them are doing at least something. Even Treadwing Legends did something new and unique. I mean, that's probably it different did. than all these. You know, it's an adventure game. But, like, you know, they had interesting, unique combat there. And it was a long campaign, you know, similar to all these games. So, while it's not the same as either of these, it's definitely, it's competing for the same time that all of these are yeah, competing yeah, for. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, and then we have right. Clank Legacy, which is nothing to do with anything, except it's another long campaign that once you get in, like, <laughs> you gotta, like, you know, bunch of one-off games. But we found out with games like Pandemic Legacy, like, they're all competing for this legacy time, this they want you to complete the campaign. They want you to dig deeper mm-hmm. and get into their story mm-hmm. or whatever else, or their, their, even if it's just new mechanics. So, I mean, I, I think that's why this discussion is interesting, because you do have to make tough choices, um, what you're going to do with your time uh, and money as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I don't know if I would have bought any of these. <laughs> but so, Mike, they said, are you thinking them. Agamonia? Yes, Agamonia. Oh, my gosh. Like that one. Dr. Han pulled it out. Thank you, Dr. Han. Yeah, I love that one. And that that again is it's still not like it's still a book, but there's tons of exploration and like spawning of monsters and not knowing what's like through the next door and that kind of stuff. And so I would say it's more of a traditional dungeon crawler. And I love that one, but again, it's on the lighter side. Like there's really not that many mechanics. So yeah, definitely my tastes. It's not that I don't like crunchy games, but I don't know. Anyway. Let's wrap it up there because it's getting late. <laughs> All right. So that's a good discussion. I'm sure we'll get back to this because guess what? We What are we doing in two weeks? Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon. So maybe we... Uh, I, I can guarantee you. Well, never mind. We'll, we'll save it for the end. You, you're not going to like it as much as you like Osword? Well, I, I can guarantee you that you're not going to like it as... Well, definitely not as much as you like Osword. I don't think you're going to like it even as much as you like Aeon Trespass, but we'll see what happens. Oh, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. All right, but we'll be back in two weeks talking about that one. So uh, come back for sure. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to the stream channel where you're watching us right now or subscribe to the podcast if that's where you're listening to us and uh, write a review, as Mike said earlier. Well, thanks, everybody, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey, Mike. Yes. I did some crawling into my basement with Aeon and a trespass. There was a boss there. Hey, oh, Peter. Yeah. Y- you can trespass into my Odyssey anytime. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>